0: This evening, we continue our series on future events. And to date, we have given our attention to the church for the first and the next future events in the eschatological calendar is for the, the church. We know it as the rapture of the church. Spirit-baptized believers, both dead and alive, will be caught up in a way to meet the Lord in the clouds. First Thessalonians 4 is a primary text that teaches us of the rapture of the church. After that meeting in the air, there will be a second or a next future event for the church, and that is the judgment seat of Christ. New Testament believers will stand before the Bema seat Uh, of Christ to be rewarded, 2 Corinthians 5 verses verses 9 and 10 is a text that teaches us of the judgment seat of Christ. Then comes the marriage supper of the Lamb, Uh, in which a a wedding feast will occur to celebrate the union between Jesus Christ and his church. You can read about it in Revelation 19. We have studied these things over the last few weeks. But while these things are occurring, among the church triumphant in heaven, there is something very different occurring on earth below. And we know it as the seven-year tribulation period. And the primary player... The primary person of the tribulation period will be the Antichrist. And so this evening, I want to speak to us, teach us about the rise and fall of the Antichrist. And I am beginning in Revelation 13, verse number 1 this evening. The rise and the fall of the Antichrist, Revelation 13, verse number 1. Then I, this is John, stood on the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his, horn, his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. The beast in Revelation 13, verse number one, is none other than the Antichrist. Not to be confused with another beast, if you look at verse number 11, another beast in verse 11, who is later called the false prophet in chapter 16, verse 13, It's not my intent to have us study in detail Revelation 13 this evening, but I want to present a topical study on the person of the Antichrist. And I've prepared a lot of information this evening, perhaps too much information to process, but perhaps you are up to it, the rise and the fall of the Antichrist. Let me pause for prayer. Lord, thank you for the assurance we have that someday you will return for your church You will reward your church. You will feast with your church. We thank you for the assurance we have that someday you will then come again as the conquering king to defeat all of your enemies and to establish your earthly kingdom for a thousand years. But God, in the meantime, we think now this evening of the tribulation period and that one who is against you, the Antichrist, I pray that you would give us understanding as we connect a lot of dots in the scripture this evening, and as we seek to, to, to better understand what you have prepared for the end of time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The beast, in Revelation 13, verse number one, the Antichrist isn't a character to be first or only discovered here in Revelation 13 verse number one for the Old Testament prophets introduced him to us. The New Testament uh, apostles described him for us. In fact, there are more than 100 Passages of scripture that describe the, the Antichrist's origin, his nationality, his character, his career, his global impact. And so, therefore, this evening I want to create for us a biographical sketch of the Antichrist. And I, I think it makes sense, t- to me anyway, to begin a, a topical study about the rise and the fall of the Antichrist with a look at his identity. Number one, the identity of the Antichrist. The only one to use the term the Antichrist in the Bible is the Apostle John. But, would you know it, he doesn't use that term here in the book of Revelation, but rather he uses the term Antichrist in his epistles or his letters. It's in 1 John chapter number 2 that he warned his readers, little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming... Even now many antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour and evidently there was sufficient understanding among John's readers um, probably from their Their understanding of the Old Testament prophets that a single unique character would rise, who would come on the scene, who was contrary to, opposed to Jesus Christ. In the meantime, there are many antichrists that are always around, but but how does one discern an antichrist? John continued, who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist who denies the Father and the Son, First John 2, verse 22. And then he continues in First John 4, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. That is the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. Ever since the fall of man, the spirit of Antichrist has existed and been perpetuated by the wicked one who obviously is anti-Christ. But then finally, John says in his second epistle, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver, and an antichrist. So while there have always been antichrists in the general sense of those opposing Jesus, those who are contrary to the teachings of Jesus, the deity of Jesus, there is one person who will be the embodiment of all those things that are contrary to Jesus Christ. That is the beast in Revelation 13 verse number 1. We know him as the antichrist. Now, There are at least 20 other names that are given to this one individual in numerous prophetic passages throughout the scripture and I'll give you a few of these here before you. Daniel 7 and 8, he's called the little horn. Daniel 8, a king of bold face Daniel 9, the prince who is to come. Daniel 11, the king who shall do according to his own will. Zechariah 11, foolish or evil shepherd. 2 Thessalonians 2, the man of sin or lawlessness. Also in 2 Thessalonians 2, the son of perdition. 1 John 2.18, we just read that a moment ago. The Antichrist. Revelation 13, we have that before us, the beast. In my mind, The most comprehensive description given to this one individual is what Paul used in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, a man of sin or the man of lawlessness. It's further explained then in verse number 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Describing this one who is yet to come during the tribulation period who would rise and set himself against Christ. Now a lot has been made of the the name or the term, the title, anti-Christ. It's, it's self-explanatory. The one who is against Christ or contrary to Christ or opposite of Christ or instead of Christ and I, I think it can be illustrated with the chart that I've given you on the back of your notes. Dr. Clarence Larkin in his book titled Dispensational Truth has compiled this chart and And I have it for you here, contrasting Jesus Christ and the Antichrist. Jesus Christ came from above. The Antichrist will ascend from the pits. Christ came in his Father's name. The Antichrist will come in his own name. Christ humbled himself. The Antichrist will exalt himself. Christ was despised. The Antichrist will be admired. Christ was exalted. The Antichrist will be cast down to hell. Christ came to do his, his father's will. The Antichrist, of course, his own will. Christ came to save. The Antichrist came to destroy. Continuing, Christ is the good shepherd. The Antichrist is that idol or evil shepherd. I, I have idol misspelled there on the screen in your notes. It's I-D-L-E is what it ought to be, not I-D-O-L the idol or evil shepherd. Christ is the true vine. Antichrist is the vine of the earth. Christ is the truth. Antichrist, the lie. Christ, the holy one. Antichrist, the lawless one. Christ, the man of sorrows. Antichrist, the man of sin. Christ is the son of God. Antichrist is the son of perdition. Christ is the mystery of godliness. God manifest in the flesh. Antichrist will be the mystery of iniquity Satan manifest in the flesh. And we see this comparison and contrast and it's, it's self-explanatory to us because these two individuals are in fact the antithesis of one another. They are the opposite. They are anti the, the other. And these things identify the antichrist. But we want more than a description, right? We want more than a description of, of identity. We actually want to specifically identify him. Who is or who will be the Antichrist? And so I'm here this evening to tell you that I now know who the Antichrist is. Are you ready? No, I don't know and I can't tell you. Over the years many people have postulated the Antichrist, Adolf Hitler, of course, he's, he's at the top of the list, or some other political leader, perhaps a Roman Catholic pope. But the truth of the matter is that if you know who the Antichrist is, you have been left behind. You have missed the rapture of the church for according to 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1-12. through 12, we'll, we'll read that in just a few moments. It is only after the rapture of the church that the identity of the Antichrist will be revealed. And so we do not know, we cannot know, so save your time and energy in all of your speculation. However, um, we, we are curious and we are fascinated as we look toward the eschatological calendar of future events. We know that after the rapture of the church, the tribulation period will occur and the antichrist will rise. And, and, and so we, we think on the identity of the antichrist, number one. however. Um, While we can't know who he is specifically, the Old Testament prophets and other places in the scripture do give us some clues about him. And, And one of those clues is regarding, number two, the nationality of the Antichrist. And so we can at least narrow our Search a bit. And for our purposes this evening, I, I want to give you summaries of, of the matter without laboring through the whole process. I, I've made attempts at this over the years, even this past week. It's rigorous. And so let me, let me help to make it easy for us. Most prophecy gurus, most Bible scholars uh, believe that the Antichrist will be a Gentile. That, that helps us, a Gentile, for some of these reasons. I'll give these for you. He is the little horn of the revived Roman Empire, according to Daniel 7, who leads a European union of Gentile nations. So we believe he's a Gentile, political leader in that case. He will come from among the people who destroyed the second temple. Who are the people who destroyed the second temple? The Romans, Daniel chapter 9. Helps us with that. His covenant with Israel promises Gentile protection for Israel suggesting that he himself is a a Gentile making that promise. Other places in the scripture his rule is part of the times of the Gentiles when the, the Gentiles are dominant over Israel. He rises up out of the sea. We just read that in Revelation 13. The, the sea in Revelation is the whole of humanity. It's the people, it's the nations, it's the multitudes, the, and, and, and all those who speak in, in, in various languages according to Revelation 17, verse 15. And so because of these things, it appears that the Antichrist will be a Gentile, perhaps more specifically of Roman descent. Now, not everybody agrees with what I've just offered you. There are some that would contend that the Antichrist will be a Jew. Some will point to a scripture reference like Deuteronomy, or I'm sorry, Daniel eleven, verse thirty seven, where the Bible says that the Antichrist will not regard the God of his fathers. Or the NIV reads the gods of his fathers. And and so some would argue that, that he must be of Jewish origin to reject the God of his fathers. But I think Daniel eleven thirty seven is simply saying that, that he's an atheist. He's a Gentile of Roman descent who's an, who's an atheist rejecting God. But um, I would submit he's a Gentile, not a Jew, of Roman descent. And so the identity of the Antichrist, the, the nationality of the Antichrist, we cannot know today who he is. Um, and not until the tribulation period can we positively identify him. And, and, but, but we can understand the activity of the Antichrist. His activity, what he will do during the tribulation period. Of course, again, the church has been raptured up and away. and So these things are not for us to experience, but these things are for us to read of and then um, observe from, from afar, beginning his rise to power. Letter A, his rise to power. Revelation 6, verse number 2 tells us that the Antichrist will gain prominence, he will gain position not by waging war but by effective diplomacy. He will convince the world that he can offer peace. I've given you the scripture reference Daniel chapter 8, verse 25, through his cunning he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule. And he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. But he shall be broken without human means. Historically, it appears to us that this may have been partially or initially fulfilled by Antiochus Epiphanes. However, the Antichrist is, is said to be one who rises against the prince of princes. Who's that? of course Jesus Christ. So consequently it's clear to me anyway that this prophecy looks beyond any historic figure like Antiochus Epiphanes but looks forward to the Antichrist, his rise to power. Secondly his one world government. The one world government of the Antichrist during the tribulation is prophesied in Daniel chapter 2 with the image of Nebuchadnezzar. Perhaps you remember that. That narrative, the image had ten toes that represented ten kings under the control of the Antichrist. Revelation 17 tells us that the kings of the earth will will conclude that they're not capable of governing themselves and so they give their power and their strength to the beast. Revelation 17 verse 13, they establish a one world government under the control of this One, this beast, this antichrist. And of course, even in the modern day, we've seen previews of this type of thing with the establishment of the United Nations or the European Union. There may be a day of global pandemic when control is conceded to an organization that is led by an individual i might just reference the world health organization or some body like that when the world is under duress and desperate and everyone bends and bows to some body and concedes control i don't know how it will come together however after events of the last couple years or events of the last few decades I wouldn't be surprised if the Bible is true, right? And the prophecies and the predictions of God's word written centuries and millennia ago are in fact making more and more sense to us today as we watch the news. There will be a one world government. There will be his global economy, his global economy. It's hard for me to imagine a one world government that could be established without a one world economy. Revelation 17 verse number 13, I'm giving the reference there, says that the kings of the earth will give their power to the beast, to the antichrist. I think it's reasonable to assume that this means more than military power. I think it might even first mean economic power and we're quite, a, quite aware that, that money, whether in gold or in oil, Or in a new thing we know of as cryptocurrency is every bit the instrument of power as are tanks and fighter jets and missiles and bombs and and, and the like. Of course due to modern technology and and communication it's absolutely conceivable to us today that the financial markets of the world could be merged. I I, I think that's very plausible and in fact is, is convincing to me. And so the activity of the Antichrist, his rise to power, the one world government, his global economy, some of these things may be put into motion before the rapture of the church, and carefully we might observe that some of these things are, in fact, being prepared. But upon the rapture of the church and the beginning of the tribulation, the rise of the Antichrist, these things will come, come to be. How about number four? His satanic religion his satanic religion. Now, there are several places in the Bible that describe the religion of the Antichrist. I mentioned Daniel chapter 11 where it appears that the Antichrist will be an atheist. He will reject the God of his fathers. But I like how 2 Thessalonians 2 puts it and I would ask for you to turn with me there. I would ask for you to turn with me in your copy of the scriptures to 2 Thessalonians chapter number two. I preached from Thessalonians two four years ago, a a message I titled, What If I Am Left Behind? And I I could point you to that message, of course the recording is on our website through sermonaudio.com, but let me simply read for us 2 Thessalonians two and without commentary, and, and you track with the reading of this and understand the satanic religion of the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians chapter two, now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had already come, as if we've missed his coming. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. That is our character this evening, the Antichrist. The the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Of course, we understand that we need a, a rebuilt temple for, for some of this to come to, be, to, to pass. Verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? and now you know what is, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. I, I believe it's the, the spirit of God dwelling within his church, the restrainer. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with his, the brightness of his coming. We read some of that earlier in the service in, in Revelation 19. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. You see, folks, the miraculous the supernatural, the sensational is not validation that it is from God, but in fact could very well be from Satan. Verse 10, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, the lie of the Antichrist explaining where the church has gone. Why Hundreds of thousands, yea, millions of believers have vanished, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Folks, I don't know what all of this will look like. Will will this be an ecumenism? Is this an atheism? Is this another ism? Whatever message is peddled by the Antichrist, the world will drink the Kool-Aid and accept his deceptive lie and his his message. His satanic religion, letter E. His covenant with Israel. Daniel 9, verse 27, we're connecting a lot of dots here for you, Daniel 9, 27 tells us that the Antichrist will make a covenant with Israel for seven years, but he will break that covenant. He will break that peace treaty in the middle of the tribulation. Unfortunately, that covenant will keep Israel from seeking God during those first three and a half years of the tribulation period as they will trust the peace peddled by the Antichrist. The Antichrist, number six, his activity, his death and resurrection. Revelation 17, I don't have the scripture for you to project, but Revelation seventeen eight. the beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition, and those who dwell in the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. This is a counterfeit duplication of Christ's own supernatural resurrection. From that point on, Satan will indwell the Antichrist so that he will have the power to perform the signs and the lying wonders that we just read about here in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses nine through 12. And this, this supernatural phenomenon, but then ultimately, number seven, well, I guess it's letter G. Letter G, his ultimate Destruction. You still have Second Thessalonians open before you look ahead to verse number Second Thessalonians two. And I have a scripture reference that doesn't exist Second Thessalonians two verse eighteen. Anybody have that? <laughs> I don't have that, and so uh, we're going to have to. The lawless one is revealed. Verse number eight, thank you, that's what I was looking for. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And that's a fascinating, fascinating description of the power of the glory of God. It doesn't say with thermonuclear war. It doesn't say some atomic, or, uh, or some other conventional weaponry. It's the brightness of his coming will destroy the antichrist. Further described in Revelation 19 verses 11 through 20 that we read earlier in the, in the service. So folks, what do we do with all of this information? the rise and the fall of the Antichrist with maybe a dozen different scripture references that I I cited, connecting the dots and giving you the, the story. What do we do with this? As the New Testament church, we are not looking for the Antichrist. We are looking for the Christ. We are waiting, we are looking for Jesus Christ to return in the air to catch us up and away. And so to some degree, all that I've shared this evening doesn't necessarily matter to us because we will be gone and away and not suffer the wrath of God. But the spirit of Antichrist can be seen today. The spirit of Antichrist. That's what the Apostle John was writing in his letters to the first century church. The spirit of Antichrist has been present since the day that Satan slithered out of the Garden of Eden. We know that this spirit of antichrist has always existed. It existed in the first century church. We know that it's manifest throughout church history in persecutions, in heresies, in corruption, and to some degree we have become comfortable with and content with those antichrists. The spirit of antichrist. In fact, we watch them on TV and we listen to them on the radio and we read about them in books and we vote for them in the polls. How about that? The spirit of antichrist is everywhere today. And it's everywhere in subtle ways. And so the burden for us is not to identify the Antichrist of the tribulation period. Our burden is not to to trace or track all of his activity and understand every nuance of Bible prophecy, but to know that today there is a spirit of Antichrist and our marching orders might be summed up in this way. John writes, 2 John, verses seven through 11, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh these voices are deceivers they are antichrist look to yourself that we do not lose things we worked for but that we may receive a full reward whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ an orthodox Christology does not have God he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the father and the son if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. That strong language, maybe even socially unacceptable, but the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the deity of Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ is so important that today, not, not later sometime, but today, We must be careful and discerning. And then there is a spiritual battle that's always raging in our hearts and minds, turning us away from the Christ. And all of pop culture and all of media is turning our thinking, our attention, our affection away from Jesus Christ. There is a war that's being waged by the wicked one to turn even us against Christ our attention affection obedience to Jesus Christ i would offer you this second corinthians 10 for though we walk in the flesh we live in the flesh on this earth as physical human beings we do not war according to the flesh the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that is physical, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so folks, you may be a prophecy guru, and you may find extra curiosity or interest in future events, Do the Bible homework, study these things, and enjoy that. But know that even today, we want our minds and our hearts to follow hard after Jesus Christ. And we ought to reject anything that would be against him. Let me pray. God in heaven, thank you for giving us just a glimpse through the window of future events. And God, we trust that what you have told us is true and will come to pass as you have said. We're grateful, Lord, that we are not destined for wrath because your wrath was placed on Jesus Christ and you purpose to rapture us away before the tribulation. God, I, we know that in your sovereign, eternal, all-wise plan, you have established the days, the years, the millennia, and that you purpose... rule and reign in justice. And we thank you and praise you for this. We take comfort in this, that you are sovereign. I pray that you would comfort us with these things. May we not be alarmed, concerned, or fearful, but comforted by your sovereignty. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.